Welcome back to In the Moment. I'm Lori Walsh. More than 110,000 South Dakotans have received at least their first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. But that leaves hundreds of thousands waiting. Kevin Wooster is getting closer to his day of immunity. He joins us to talk about the wait for a vaccine. We'll also chat about changes facing the South Dakota Game, Fish, and Parks Department in the Nome administration. Kevin Wooster, thanks for being here. It's great to be back. I'm I'm just sitting here looking for the right spot on my arm. I just can't wait to see a little poke <laughs> hole in that thing. It's not a huge so what arm, is the... so there's, you know, we don't have a great deal to work with, but I'm sure they'll find a spot with enough meat there to take care of it. <laughs> I think they can. I think they can work it out once it's a. Yeah. So how's the process going for you as far as it, you know? First finding out that these vaccines were approved, and then hearing how many were coming, and then. When did you first get notified you can be on a list? Like, wh- what is it like where you're at? Well, I'm I'm on the list, and, you know, I, I, I got on there pretty much as soon as Monty Mahill, which is our provider out here, uh, had the sign-up period open. And uh, they tell me that uh, the, the, the sooner I signed up, now that my age group will be coming open next Monday, 65 to, through 69, I'm very excited about that, uh, that uh, hopefully I'll be near the front of the line. You know, when they start sending out texts or emails, however they send it to me, so I can set up an appointment in the old Herberger's place, probably. They've got a clinic set up out in the mall here where Herberger's used to be, so I can go out there and get a shot instead of a shirt. I'm very excited about that, too. <laughs> are you are you surrounded by people who are getting vaccinated? Or how has that been going amongst you know friends and family? Well, yes. As you can, my, I'm the youngest of five, so the, my... Mm-hmm. Older siblings are, I think, my everybody's pretty much started, at least got one shot or two. And uh, and so, that you know, there's a lot of sibling envy there on my part. And I've also checked around with some of my friends. And, you know, you talk to, talk to a lifelong friend up in Alaska who's two weeks older than I am, and he's had his first shot and scheduled his second, so I'm a little resentful about that. And you know that, but it's complicated. This whole state by state thing, and depending on right. how they go about it, and you know how many people over eighty do you have? How long did it take you to get through your nursing homes and things like right. that? So I understand it's a complicated process. Right, I'm, and then you have I'm IHS, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh, the yeah. federal federal line through uh, pharmacies as well as the you know State Absolutely. Department of Health. There's a lot of a lot of lanes are open right now, and that means they're moving at different speeds. Yeah, yeah, I understand, and, and I'm just thrilled that uh, we we are where we are with it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, whether you criticize South Dakota the way we handled it or not, I think we've done pretty well, and and uh, I'm awfully happy that we're we're getting through, and that apparently people are showing up. They're busy out at the mall, and I imagine yeah. the same is true down your way, Eastern South Dakota. Yeah, that's the that's what I've been hearing too. Is a lot of compliance, a lot of people who yeah. want the shot and are moving forward, and that's an incredibly positive thing. Um, yeah. A very yeah. small light at the end of a very long tunnel, <laughs> but hopefully we're still yeah. moving in the right direction. You, you, yeah, you know my my buddy Dan Daly, who used to work at the Journal with me in the newsroom, is out at Monument now, and you know he said something. Hang on, you're you're getting near the finish line on this, and you know it started as you know uh, almost a year ago when I have a, yeah. a, a week a monthly breakfast with my friend Steve Miller, who I used to work with at the Journal, and it was last February the last time we had our regular monthly breakfast down at the Right. local old man's, uh, you know, gathering spot. So yeah. it's been going on a long time. I'm really looking forward to the shot and looking forward to getting down to Sioux Falls and hugging my 
my granddaughter that I haven't hugged yet. Yeah, right. Um, March 10th it marks a year in South Dakota. We're having a special program that day that we're working on now. The Secretary of Health Kim Malson-Risen is going to join us. Josh Clayton will be with us as well to look at a year of COVID in the state. Um, a lot to unpack there, a lot to grieve, and, and some things to celebrate as well, as yeah, you know, a lot of us have, have come together. And when I think about, you know, how neighbors around here helped each other, it uh, is definitely something to be grateful for. I guess maybe celebrate's yeah. the wrong word, but uh, gratitude for some of that kindness is definitely um, on my mind these days, too. Um, right. Let's talk a, a little... Point. Go ahead. Yeah. Don't don't forget the grieving, you know, because there is a lot yeah. to grieve and the people that were lost and the families that are, are trying to handle that. So we will celebrate and we will remember. Right. Um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk a little politics, because there have yeah. been several things. Governor Christy Nome and the State Department of Game, Fish and Parks have been talking about regarding private property, regarding the makeup of uh, the advisory board or the commissioners, I should say. Um, this is a department that's near and dear to your heart, and uh, you are the resident outdoorsman here. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about some of the things you're following in Pierre um, regarding GF&P. Well, I, I'm, I'm following the open fields issue, which is, a you know, and I, don't, I can't remember if that's been, to see if you guys have discussed this much, but, uh, you know, before we get to the commission makeup, that's a, that's a big issue in terms of a, a longstanding doctrine of laws and court decisions that allow uh, law enforcement officers to go on areas of, of land, not in the immediate residence area of a farm or ranch or things like that, to go on to enforce laws without landowner permission. And that has been controversial, not statewide, and not I'm with most landowners, in my opinion, over the years, but in with some, and especially with Rants Country and, and Northwest South Dakota in particular, and this is a this is an effort to restrict that and and, and in law. Now the fact is, it, it's already restricted in policy. The Game Fish and Parks Department, under Governor Newgard and under Governor Rounds, uh, in responding to these complaints about the access by conservation officers without permission, it went through a really long and long process of public meetings and discussions with landowners and a uh, legislative resolution and a directive by the governor, uh, Governor Dugard, and a, a new uh, sensitivity training for conservation officers and awareness and uh, outreach programs. So they went through this, to me, a great process to came to a working to come to a working uh, uh, policy that to me was working great. Uh, and now they're going to come in and, to me wrongly, I think, jam a law in its place that allows no flexibility and uh, really t could hamstring the, the ability of a conservation officer to do his job. Yeah, and, and this has been through a court process uh, and and everything, but I want to go back to what you said about just this process, this process of, um, you know, building consensus and, you know, reaching compromise. It reminds me of the non-meandering waters conversation. It's it's long, it's drawn out, oh, it can yeah. be painful um, versus coming in and saying, and now we're going to do, do this. Um, that's pr a pretty significant change in methodology. Well, it is. And, and I think that we, we really, I was really impressed by the way that process was handled before. It was not easy. There was a lot of emotions involved. There were a lot of meetings. 
there are still, um, I, you know, I haven't followed them lately, but there's still a framework for those to take place. And, and they got a lot done. And they, for the vast majority of people, it was a satisfactory conclusion. Uh, there are some people you're never going to please. And, uh, and there are some people that are just extremely sensitive about this issue. And, and that, to me, that they had it fixed in a process that made sense, in a process that involved uh, people and logic and facts and communication. And it, it's unfortunate, I think, that we're going this route after all that work was done to come to a, to a place that's pretty good. Talk to me about the commission makeup as well, because there are some uh, some themes that sort of intersect here. Yeah, you know, when I first started covering the Game Fish and Parks Commission in the 70s, uh, I didn't pay much attention to what an amazingly, in my mind, design board it was. Uh, and, and then you start to notice where all these people are from and what they do in different ways. And and it's, you know, required that no more than four members of the eight-member board are one party. Uh, at least four have to be in agriculture, farming and ranching, and real ag, you know, where it's really their bulk of their livelihood, mm-hmm. and then five are East River and three are West River. Then uh, uh, in recent years, finally, thank heavens, uh, I watched that happen from the 70s on. It, it became not a written rule, but a policy that they would try to have at least two or three women on this member board. And uh, they, they worked hard to engage women and, you know, people that wanted to be involved in that and got really good commissioners, commission chairman or two out of them that were women. And I understand that that creates a complicated process when you're making appointments. You know, well, we've got plenty of people in West River for this spot, but we don't have a Democrat or we don't have a landowner. Where can we find a landowner? Where can we find an urban guy uh, or an urban woman? And the the bill here that the, the 1115 would remove the politic, the political restriction on it, and take away that part that says no more than four of the eight can be from one party. And um, I understand uh, the Democratic Party has lost numbers, and the Republican Party has gained numbers. And I imagine sometimes that can be hard for a Republican, especially a governor wanting to please the Republican donors with this. Really, it is a plum spot for a lot of people on the Game Mission Parks Commission. But I fear that we're going to lose something if we end up with seven or eight Republicans on this board that has been so diverse and so representative uh, over the years. And I also fear that if we're going to do this, what will be next? Will we say, well, it says at least four have to be farmers. Maybe it would be better if eight are farmers than ranchers. Uh, given Governor Nome's farmland connections and interest in there. This does one thing now with the political part of it, but to me it opens up questions about what comes next. Uh, your friend John Cooper has spoken out about um, various issues with Game Fish and Parks in this administration. But what I'm wondering, and he said, you know what he would, uh, you know, the interim secretary wouldn't go and testify against a bill, for example. Um, sure. But it, some of these, some of this is, is no good for the GFNP, and it's pretty obvious um, in his words that it's not. Um, Kelly Hepler retired. And I'm just wondering what is the the tone at Game Fish and Parks right now? Are they are people afraid to speak out against uh, policies that aren't working? What do you suspect is happening there? Are you hearing anything? People are afraid. Say? People are afraid to speak out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I've never seen it before in the f- almost 50 years that I've been covering this board. People on the in the Game Fish and Parks Department are afraid to speak out. Quite simply, 
And there are people there that are testifying for things they don't believe in. There are people there that are uh, responding to reporters' calls by saying things they don't really believe, in my opinion. And I know these agent, this agency better than I know any agency, federal, state, or county in between, and I've covered it more than I've covered anyone. And it's just the reality. I've never seen it like this. And uh, I hope this doesn't continue. But, uh, but yeah, and there's going to be a number of... John Cooper was 23 years a federal uh, law enforcement agent and supervisor, and 12 years as Game Fish and Parks Secretary, eight years as an appointed member and chairman of the Game Fish and Parks Commission. And he's against it, the former secretary, Jeff Fox, against it. There's going to be a number of former commission chairmen and members that are going to be against it and speak out against it. Um, and this well, is this is troublesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, looking forward to having more conversations with you about this. And, and listeners can also find Kevin Wooster's blog, on the other hand, at sdpb.org slash Wooster. Um, again, Kevin, I can't say enough about having um, an experienced uh, journalist who has covered this for so many years um, join us here on SDPB. So thank you so much for that as well. We appreciate your time. Okay. We'll talk more.